The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. 880 KRVN is the essential link to your world, nation, and neighborhood. Kearney School Board decided that local and regional news updates every half hour. I'm Dave Schroeder. Fox News on the hour and breaking coverage as it happens with Bob Rogan, Dave Schroeder, Scott Foster, and correspondents across Nebraska and Kansas. Good afternoon, I'm Scott Foster. Motorists are reminded... 880 KRVN. For news, depend on us. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett joining us with Hackett Financial. And not a pretty day. You and I were just talking about this. As we look at the market trade, a lot of negativity in the grain markets. And it just seems to be the same old song and dance, day in and day out. Yeah, you know, it, it really is. Um, we, we keep trading every sound bite, every tweet that comes out about what's going on with trade and what's not going on with trade and obviously the bombshell from Sunday afternoon from President Trump that said, uh, you know, things aren't looking good. We're going to raise tariffs after we thought we were pretty much done with everything. We're going to have a deal. And so I, I think the takeaway I would say about all of this is that despite the fact that President Trump, to some extent, embarrassed and humiliated the Chinese on the world stage, they're still here. Um, and talking to us today. I find that quite remarkable. I don't think they would have done that in times past. So maybe the fact they still came despite, um, you know, a pretty nasty uh, drubbing from President Trump on a public stage this week, maybe says there's still some, you know, some hope that maybe something good will happen here. So. Well, you look at that and the, the continued discussions, and like you said, they, they made an effort. They're back here in the United States talking today and tomorrow in Washington, D.C., the markets, though, continue to hang on every tweet, every thought, every rumor that's been going out. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And, you know, stocks are doing the same thing. And just the, the dollar's doing the same thing. And, you know, it's just like we, we, we can't get ourselves off of hyper-focusing on this 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 trade idea. And, and we're you know, just not able to focus on, you know, weather and other fundamental factors that are going on. And it's so... Either way, I just hope that we can kind of move on from this. And if, if, if we can't come to a deal and that's the way it's going to be, fine. There's a pathway forward. If there is a deal and we can do it, let's do it. And then there's a pathway forward. I think it would be healthy for the market one way or the other to have clarity um, and just start focusing on something different. And maybe one way or the other on you know the next couple of days we're going to get that clarity of exactly what is the situation with trade and, and what do we have to be what, – what will we be looking at going forward instead of – this constant uh, tennis match of hitting the ball back and forth and not knowing who's going to get the point, you know? I think one of the other looming factors has been the fact that so many producers across the entire upper Midwest have not been able to get into the fields in a timely fashion. We're sitting the 9th of May. We know that there was more snow in Minnesota, definitely colder temperatures in Nebraska and Iowa and into Wisconsin. So that causes for some concern in getting this crop going. Well, we're way behind. Um, and, you know, we went back and, and looked at, well, you know, what were the, the last three times that we were able to see, for example, the corn crop at 50% plant or less by then made. There was only three other years where we were this far behind, and we're going to be this far behind. One was 1983, one was 1993, and the other one was 1995. It was only the three years we've had, you know, planting progress this far behind. And in each of those years, 
know, we were, uh, you know, 9% below trend line yields, 17% below trend line yields, and 22% below trend line yields in those three years. So the, the history isn't kind that corn yields you know, turn out well when we get this late in the season. And, and it sure doesn't look like that, um, you know, we're going to get, we're going to get it done this year. And so that puts the onus on, uh, on, on, on the corn market, uh, to have, you know, to show the market that it, um, uh, that it could have uh, some better weather in order to turn this around or else once this trade thing settled it sure looks to us like the corn market's going to have to trade some tighter fundamentals obviously today you know, not being one of those days so. You look at soybeans and I know the South America continues especially with the way their currency has been it makes it for some, some cheap product for folks to purchase Yeah I mean you know, c- certainly right now you know, when we have fresh supplies of Soybeans coming out of South America, you know, that's and a weak currency in the Brazilian real. None of those are helpful when we're worrying about trade and you know, worrying about all those kind of things. And it, de- it definitely gives the Chinese another option of uh, buying uh, soybean supplies from South America. Then, if we were having this discussion, you know, in the fall or, or early winter, when they don't really have that option, and so for right now, you know, they're in a position where they don't really have to worry about buying supplies and maybe. You know, that was their intent all along was to delay these these negotiations to a point where they get more against the, uh, you know back into a corner like they were maybe a few months back. Looking at the wheat market, Sean, are we just seeing them kind of follow along with the row crops at this point? I mean, certainly. I mean, it's it's hard to disassociate wheat from the rest. Although I will say that for something like you know Kansas City wheat or something like that, the one thing that today we we actually performed quite a bit better spring wheat performs quite a bit better. You know, we think there's that some other things are going on with especially Kansas City wheat that might make you know performance a little bit better because we're looking at some extremely heavy rainfall, uh, flooding rainfall, uh, lodging in uh, Oklahoma and Kansas that is happening at a late stage of development when harvest is about to happen, which rain is good, but not rain this late. And so there's a possibility that we may see that outperformance of especially Kansas City wheat continue versus the other market. So that market might be able to actually, you know, do something a little bit different because it's at a different stage of its, uh, of its, you know, development at this point. You talk about those flooding concerns, and I know that there continues to be issues on the Missouri River, but on the Mississippi River and getting that barge traffic moved. Do you see that weighing in in the next couple of weeks on this trade? Well, I mean, that's a cash basis issue the way we see it, you know, meaning that, you know, if you can't move down the river, and, and orders that are supposed to be moved can't, you know, it just backs everything up. And, it, and so we're not so sure that's a futures price problem, but we think it's a basis widening out problem that could, you know, be a, a, an issue um, as we go forward. And so that, that's something that we're worried about, that you know, maybe the futures market doesn't impact, get impacted by that, but, but the local cash price gets widened out until we can start moving, you know, grain down the river again. And so that's not good for farmers trying to sell uh, crop, you know, old crop uh, soybeans or corn, Right now, to try to try to you know raise some cash, that's not really uh, ideal at this point. Stick around, folks. We do have more coming up. It is the Fontenelle final bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. We're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. And Sean Hackett joins us with Hackett Financial. Cannot talk about the WASDE report. 
it comes out tomorrow. You said this could be another factor that we could see working into these grain markets. Well, it's really the first you know baseline that the USDA will give us about what they expect the potential for supply and demand to be. It's more of a statistical report. You know, they go over the planning intentions that they already came out with. They go over um, trend line yields. They're going to assume everything's going to be fine because there's not enough information to say otherwise. Um, and then they come up with their best stab of demand and come up with a starting point. And so clearly, you know, we're expecting some large numbers. Um, at least the headline numbers will say, you know, large crops, plenty of ending stocks. Not that, not that that's a surprise. I mean, we kind of already know that that's already where they're going to be. But nonetheless, at a time when the market's already on pins and needles um, and feeling pretty bearish, having headline numbers of big supplies probably isn't going to be, you know, what the market's looking for uh, to give them um, encouragement. But nonetheless, it will be coming out and it's something the market will have to look at to see if there's any surprises or anything that the USDA comes out with that may be a little different from what everyone's expecting. But right now, we would expect headline numbers to be fairly large at this point um, until we get further into the season and the USDA can make some, some weather-related adjustments to acreage and yields. Head over to the livestock side, and as we always like to do with you, is that get a uh, kind of a catch-up as to what we're seeing in the dairy industry. As we move into uh, the summer months, what are we seeing? What are some key things our dairy producers need to keep an eye out for? Well, I mean, dairy's been a bright, one of the few bright spots in agriculture here the last few months while everything's been sort of in crash-and-burn mode. Uh, milk prices actually been working their way higher Um and, and that's not actually unusual. I think the last time we spoke, uh, Susan, we talked about how milk can actually be things opposite from everything else. Um, but everything that we see continues to look supportive. We continue to see U.S. production under pressure. Continue to see international prices doing very well. And we would think, the art we think, what's going to be a key driver over the summertime is to start looking for cheese stocks in the U.S. to start showing year over year at declines from a year ago. We haven't had year over year declines in cheese stocks in probably five or six years. And so we think as the market gets more comfortable that we're actually going to see substantial drawdowns in U.S. cheese stocks for the first time in a while. That will lead into the next, you know, move higher to some kind of a, a maybe a higher price point later in the summer that farmers can sell and, and, and get a price that makes more sense, although we're starting to you know, see that now. But it, that's really the key is we've got to get these cheese stocks moving down. We think we're going to start getting those signs here Probably in the month of June, our first report's going to show some year-over-year declines, and that would be a really shot in the arm for the dairy industry, which has had really nothing good to look forward to for quite a long time. Can they take advantage, or are you thinking uh, producers are going to take advantage of these lower grain prices we've been seeing? Well, they should be taking advantage of it. Um, will they take advantage of it? That's another story. The problem with dairy producers right now is, you know, the money is tight. Um, banks are not in, in the in the mood to lend much, and so um, many of them will will will, will decide uh, to to hold off um, and not to take advantage of whatever's coming. But we would are recommending, we would be suggesting that during this period of uncertainty in trade um, and and pressure on on food on these grain prices, that this would be a great time to lock in very very economical feed, so that when the prices the higher prices continue for milk, you know, your margin is that much better. So we hope, you know. Dairy producers are able to take advantage of that in some way, um, but we're afraid many will opt not to because of the financial strain that they're under. I had to do a double take when I looked at the livestock markets today. Even though it was a mixed trade, it was nice to see some green on the screen. I'm colorblind, Susan, so I, I didn't <laughs> see the green. I'm sorry. Just 
Um, yeah, it's been um, especially for cattle. You know, it's been a lot of red for a lot of days. Um, but yeah, we did see green today, and um, you know, it sure sure looks to us that uh, you know at least the livestock sector is maybe starting to uh, dig its heels in a little bit, especially cattle finally down a little. For example, you know, beef exports today were phenomenal, really, really strong. Um, shipments were you know up eighty percent above the five year uh, the four week average. So I think we finally have gotten ourselves to a place where demand is. Uh, we found some new export demand, and we're going to kind of dig our heels in and start working our way back up. But it's been kind of a brutal period for for cow prices and for livestock in general, with all this uncertainty over trade and and and, and currency risk. It's just been a been a tough period. But maybe today was the turning point that we saw some green in a sea of red elsewhere. Well, and definitely the trade is, is taking its toll on the way the hogs have been trading. Yeah, I mean, you know, the hog market's been sort of, you know, trading, you know, did the Chinese buy this week, did they not buy this week? And, um, you know, that's kind of a bouncing ball. And, and, and but, but when we look we look beyond the surface, what we want to try to convey to everybody is that whatever the trade deal is or it isn't, whatever the currency is or it isn't, uh, there's nothing that can happen to change the needs that the Chinese have. What is the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sean? Our website's always the best place to go at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Good. Thanks so much, Sean Hackett, joining us. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. Thank you, Susan, for the Fontenelle Final Bell. Again, catch that as a podcast at krvn.com. Listen to Arlen Suderman. He was on yesterday discussing African swine fever and its latest impact there. More on African swine fever also available from Mike Zusolo on his midday commentary available as a podcast. He was talking today that the USDA attache in Beijing lowering by 8.5 million metric tons the overall import expectations for China on their soybeans because they don't have as many hogs to feed. The double-edged sword piece of that, though, they won't have as much soybean oil, which is a cooking staple in China, so they may have to import soybean oil because they're not crushing as many soybeans. One tick for Tat. 232 at 880 KRVN. Clay Patton with you this afternoon. Coming up, Fox Business News.